Hi there, I'm Ruby Jones, the host of 7am. Today is Easter Monday and we're bringing you the last of our special archive episodes before we go back to our daily schedule. In this episode from last September, Elizabeth Kulas talks to Chinese-Australian artist Buddy Atau. It's a startling interview in which he talks about the surveillance and scrutiny he's been under from the Chinese government while here in Melbourne, including being threatened and followed. And it's a revealing portrait of the Chinese government's no-tolerance policy for dissenters. Hope you enjoy listening. From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. Months before the latest mass protests began in Hong Kong, the Chinese government shut down an art exhibition in the city. The work was by Budi Tao, a Chinese-Australian artist living in Melbourne. He's since been harassed and intimidated in Australia, and his work has become a key part of the pro-democracy protests. I'm wondering, Budi Tao, if we can start with an average day in your life? What's it like when you get up? I mean, I don't agree with Trump a lot, <laughs> but we might have similar pattern on Twitter. Because <laughs> uh, basically my daily life, when I wake up, the first thing is grab a mobile to check in the Twitter to see if there's any news from Hong Kong, China, Australia. Buddy Tao is a visual artist and political cartoonist based in Melbourne. Then I got up, have a coffee, then sat down behind my drawing desk, started thinking the first cartoon that I will do for the day. And it's very much repeating as checking the news, do more drawing and checking the news. If I have the chance to have some sleep, then back to the work. Tell me about the studio that you work in. You work out of a shipping container, is that right? Uh, Okay, well... This is actually a very hard question because my life here is full of danger and risk. I mean, it sounds absurd. I'm an Australian citizen, but I was born in China. It seems like the Chinese government do not really care about the nationality that you have. As long as you have a Chinese face, they'll hunt you down even when you're thousands of miles away. So that is why I've been very carefully choosing my working space. Some of the audience might already see some of my photo, which is in a shipping container, but that is just a mocking space, to be honest. That is not my real uh, studio. Hmm. So day to day, how would you describe what that surveillance and that scrutiny by the Chinese government means for you? I mean, it comes with different levels. The mildest one is a death threat that I received online. That's uh, the mildest. Yeah, that is the mildest. Well, let's say because that's just lip work. It hasn't physically touched my life. But I've received threatens to saying if I ever step into the land of China, they will use the ISIS style to execute me. And the more concerning things is actually physically harassment that I have experienced in Australia, which including following... And at one time, I was on a bus, and suddenly I found myself surrounded by four Asian males, all with similar age, similar looks, all equipped by a Bluetooth earplug. I mean, this is something you just cannot neglect, and definitely it rings a bell in my mind. So I jump off the bus before my destination because I want to see if those guys would follow me. And I was right, unfortunately. Two of the guys got off the bus with me, and actually they're following me. So I took out my mobile, and I started taking videos of them. 
Right after I did that, those two guys turned around and walked away. Suspicious enough, I think, okay, now I want to follow you. <laughs> I want to see where you go and what you're up to. I followed them into a supermarket and one of the followers um, go to the fruit count and directly grab a banana. And after that, he went to the self-checkout machine straightly. Starts and, ringing up this banana. Yeah, yeah. He's like, mm, okay, that's what I want. And they have difficulty on operating the self-serve checking out machine as if they have never used that. It took such a long time. And I was just hiding behind the chef and take videos of them. They couldn't figure it out until a staff from Woolly came and helped them out eventually. I mean, it sounds like a funny encounter, but at the time I was really nervous. I had to stay in that supermarket for another half an hour to make sure nobody is around me anymore before I left. But there was a time before that where you were concealing your identity. You wore masks in interviews, you distorted your voice. Yes, actually a lot. I would never really show my face. And definitely I don't post any of my own photos or information like names or address or working place online to make sure that my identity will not be known by the Chinese police. But three days before my first international solo exhibition in Hong Kong, my family in China got reached by the police in Shanghai. And apparently, if the police already know who are my family in Shanghai, they pretty much have a very good understanding uh, of who I am. And that is how I know that my identity is compromised. And when you say that Chinese authorities came to your family's home in Shanghai, what is it that they said or did to them? Well, the message is pretty clear that they know the existence of the coming exhibition uh, in Hong Kong. And what they want is also very simple. They want the show to be cancelled. Otherwise, what they say in Chinese is, which means there'll be no mercy or no kind to you or to your family anymore. So that exhibition is cancelled? It is, yes. This was last year? This was last year. And, well, it was really a group decision made between me and all the organisers in Hong Kong. Because... Besides the threatened to me and to my family directly, the police also said they're going to send two police officers to Hong Kong, uh, which definitely posting a threat to anyone who's helping me on the site in Hong Kong as well. And what was that exhibition going to be showing, the one in Hong Kong? I've been known as political cartoonist for a very long time, but this show is more about several body of work that is actually installations and a sculpture uh, made by me uh, via the experience of the free speech violation in China. So there is this work very interesting and very heavy as well. It's a torture chair directly ordered from Chinese e-commerce platform Taobao from a factory actually sending the torture chair to the Chinese police force and the courts directly. You can buy this horrible equipment directly from China and mailing from China to Hong Kong. The whole process itself is a metaphor to showing that China is exporting its operation and the threat all over the world. And Hong Kong definitely is just the first stop of it. And the closure of that exhibition has since been described by a US government report as a key moment in the beginning of a deterioration of democracy in Hong Kong. 
exactly. There's a Chinese poem. They say, when the spring comes, it is the ducks in the river to feel it first. And I feel artists are pretty much the duck in the river of society. And if the winter or the springs come, we're the ones who experience it first because we are the front line of this free speech. We are the test grounds of a state of healthy of society. And when a political art show or any of our show is censored due to the content, it is already ringing the bell of some serious problem is going on in the society. And like what we see now, Hong Kong has been turned into this city of protest for almost 80 days now. And this is saying anything and everything. We'll be right back. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. So Buddy tell the mass protests in Hong Kong have been running for three months now. These started about six months after the exhibition that you had planned there was cancelled as a result of of threats made against you and and warnings from the Chinese government. You've been watching the protests closely. What have you observed about the changing character of the protests? My observation on the protests is actually I feel the atmosphere is getting heavier and darker. For the Hong Kong situation, if we look back a little bit early in 2014, when the first umbrella movement broke out, that was a movement asking for a fair election in Hong Kong. And at that time, the scene colour of the movement is yellow. It is because a lot of people are using yellow umbrella to block themselves or show themselves from the attack of the police when they release tear gas and the paper spray. And I feel yellow is kind of, you know, warning color. In the beginning of this new movement, the anti-extraditional bill movement, the color is red, actually. And for me, this redness is, is something more intense than the yellow that we've seen four years ago. It probably also symbolizing the situation that has been escalated. And now, I think the whole movement has turned into the new colour, which is black, as a response to the government's silence, but it's also reflecting the extreme violence and brutality from the police force when they are cracking down on the protests. Do you stay in touch with anybody in Hong Kong? Are you in contact with protesters who are engaging with the movement? Yes, actually a lot. What makes me very surprised and honoured is 
alongside all my cartoons being created since the beginning of the movement, they are being recognized and used by a lot of Hong Kongers actually in the city. Uh, I saw a lot of my work being printed out and actually carried out in the real protest. And one night, a young kid texted me on Instagram saying, Badiu Tao, I've watched your documentary from Hong Kong now, and um, I think you're really brave. Tomorrow we're going to have another massive protest. But I'm really scared because I want to go, but I also know the risk of me being beaten by the police badly, or I can be arrested and charged for 10 years sentence under the name of riot. What should I do? Can you give me some suggestion and can you tell me the secret of being brave? I mean, I just don't know what to say because I can't just encourage him to say, you know, you should go for your freedom without addressing all the possible risk. But in the end of the world, I know this movement could possibly be the last fly back from Hong Kong to the oppressed from Beijing. And that's the real status of the young protesters in Hong Kong. They're worried, they're desperate, but they know it seems like there's no choice left but fight back. What do you think is the fear, in a way, that hangs over these protests in Hong Kong? I mean, a lot of people has already building the juxtaposition between the Hong Kong protest and 1989 student movement. They're showing the similarities because it's a massive movement from grassroots people initiated by the young people. You're talking about Tiananmen Square? Yes. And logically, the thing that we are going to worry is how would this end? Because we know in 1989, it ended tragically with a blood massacre, like slaughter all the students who are in Beijing and actually around China to advocate for the freedom, democracy and rights. And could this happen to the Hong Kong young protest? This is definitely the concern in everybody's mind. You've also said that the Australian Chinese community is a focus for Beijing. What makes that community a community that Beijing wants to speak to directly? China call it United Front, which means they want to unite any of the overseas Chinese population. And the way to do it is they always accuse any criticism on the Chinese government is racism. And they want to create this fear of racism within overseas Chinese community, especially in Australia. Because, make no mistake, Australia is a very racist country. And that's contributing to the Chinese narrative that they can unite the Chinese in Australia and saying, look, because this is a racist country, so the only way to help you is you have a strong motherland back you. And you have to defend this motherland in order to be protected from this racist problem. Do you think there's hope that the Hong Kong protests might be met with some compromise by the Chinese government? I think everything is possible, but everything is so uncertain. But the only certain thing that I see is the determination from the Hong Kong protesters. There's no sign they're going to back down. In order to achieve a better outcome from this marathon-like protest, I think the nation, international society, countries like Australia, should definitely join in the group with the pro-Hong Kong movement and helping the people there to 
reclaim the line back to have Hong Kong continuing their autonomy. And what do you think Beijing's aspiration is in the world? I think Beijing is trying to expanding its influence globally. Beijing is definitely not satisfying within its own territory, and the way they do it is by reclaiming its territory. Kilometers by kilometers, I think the ultimate goal of Beijing is probably introduce its own way of politics and lifestyle to the rest of the world. As a seven a.m. listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarizing each of their key points. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au/newsletters. Do you think the average person in Australia is aware of the level of Chinese government influence that exists in Australia right now? No, <laughs> I think people here are over romanticizing what China has become. We might be blinded by this fancy-looking economic development, but a lot of people hasn't seen the ongoing human rights abuse in China. And the price that China has paid for its economic miracle, which are the environmental crisis, which are the basic safety of the food and social order. However, it would take a time for Australia to truly aware of the the true face of China, and、um, I hope my art could accelerate this process a little bit. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Sure, thanks. It's a pleasure. 